0: And now your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you, and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi, and welcome
2: to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm your co-host, Jeannie Rice, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Thursday, February the 25th, 2016. And our call-in number is six four six, two hundred, four one six nine. Press one, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. We would love to hear your comments and your questions because then that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael.
3: Thank you, dear heart.
2: You got to unmute. Thank you, dear
3: heart. Have to unmute. That's true. Just like life, have to unmute. We're uh, we're in the middle of laws of living and. Spending a lot of time speaking about words and the impact of words on perception and the world that we live in. So we're honored that you're here to share with us and to uh, assist in bringing forward the ancient Aramaic concept of forgiveness on a global scale, which is what this work is all about, and recognizing just how Our minds play into this game, and how deeply our minds can be fooled by a world of hostility or fear, and how to be restored to the truth of who and what you are. Of course, the question for many people becomes well, then, who am I? We have an easy definition. Hold a newborn child, you know exactly what your human life is, and you're designed to live as that awesome presence of love, twenty four seven, three sixty five. We've just got a fabulous group of people that we're we're hitting highs in understanding that are just beyond comprehension. i uh, in in terms of just. Just the the level of energy that's moving in this group, it's a small group, and the the comprehension, it's the first, if you were with us on the show last week, a couple times I talked about the fact that this is the first time in 35 years of doing intensives that we've got a group of people whose personal code evaluation scores are all in the upper third of the range of scores and so there's a foundation for understanding that's developing that's just beyond comprehension uh, in in a normal sense. The the energy that's moving, the interaction that's happening, the sweetness of the space. One of the things that happens in Laws of Living is there are several essays to be read. And uh we we just decided, Jeannie you weren't down there, you'd come up to turn on the switchboard, but the group decided that during kitchen prep time each day with the food that one person is going to be the reader and they're going to read the essay during food preparation. So everybody gets to get the essay at the same time as they're in the kitchen. So that sounded like a pretty cool idea. It'll be a nice energy to put into the food as well. And if you haven't um, been on Facebook recently and you want to get a – a look at some of the food that's being presented. I'm actually getting ready to take a picture of a, a bowl that I created for Jeannie and I with this awesome uh, rainbow Swiss chard salad and uh, zucchini pasta with a fresh raw tomato sauce and parsley, um, cashews. I'm not even sure what all's is in this other dish, but it's awesome. And the flavors, the taste is just this one this last one has got truffle oil in it white truffle oil so it's pretty fabulous the food that we're eating the vitality that uh that comes from eating a fresh and raw dietary regimen is just amazing and everybody's just kind of perking and building and things are rocking so really sweet space that's developing through this uh this intensive we've actually gotten. I don't even know what day of the intensive. Is it, was, was it seven or eight, something like that? It's a 16-day. So, So we're just rolling along and looking at the principles of perception and being reminded of the CIA research that says that we do not record reality. We construct reality with our minds. And how the mind, how much energy it takes to get something that is out of harmony with what we believe to be true to even get into the perceptual system. And we we talk in the um, evaluations uh, uh, that we do with a state that's called blockage of truth. And when one has a low love of truth and a high love of self and others, that that truth has trouble getting into the equation. And people miss all kinds of things that would be useful for them to see in their perceptual mind, so we're just at the stage of really grounding and looking at purpose here and then moving into perception and how it works, how it operates and uh so things are just moving along in such an amazing way, and I wish you all were here, and uh we'll look forward to the day when anyone else chooses to come and join us for laws of living. We'll be doing it this summer at Heartland, the latter part of. September into, or pardon me, the latter part of August into early September, I think, is the uh, is the date range for Laws of Living next summer. Beyond that, we're honored and delighted that you're here with us. We actually got kind of a chilly day here in Florida. We're in Orlando. It's sunny and clear, but it's probably only, what, maybe 60 degrees, so it's on the chilly side. Of course, not cold compared to some of you who are up there in zero and, and those sorts of crazy things, but... Hey, everybody makes their choices. So we're glad Glad you're here. Genius Dr. Tim with us. Let's say hello to the young man and see what's exciting in his world.
4: I'm here, thank you, and doing well. I was on the phone with someone we know from the show, Dave Gilbert, who has been a caller and has chimed in with, with Gail about our recovery Wednesdays, and uh, it's my idea that we all send him love and hold him in a space of love. He's recovering from a surgery and, oh, bless his heart, and hold the space that he recovers quickly and to full strength. And, and he was thrilled to hear that we're still trying to do the recovery Wednesdays, and Build some momentum with that. So hopefully, if his health maintains, he'll be on the on the show on Wednesdays and chime in and listen in and learn and grow with us in that area.
3: Well, we sure appreciate Dave the uh, the work that he's done to uh, to put together the the manual, which one day will you know that will roll up to the top of the list and we'll have it available with all of the worksheets and the whole the whole range of things. So so Dave, if you're listening by any chance, we certainly hold the space of love for you and that whatever your surgery is about, that the surgeon's hands and heart and mind were totally guided and uh, that you're just uh, rocking into recovery.
4: Yeah, and the uh,
3: other recovery we've talked about.
4: Yeah. Well, Dave has had a, a, a fabulously positive impact on lots of people and lives. And specifically in our Tuesday support group, He's not able to come as much these days as he was when we were closer, but he did, as you were mentioning, he he pulled together. He has quite a a facility for doing things on the computer with word programs and publishing programs, and he pulled together a workbook, and at his own expense had a bunch of them printed up and spiral-bound that we could just give people... As attendees, and there had—I think they had 50 different worksheets in them, blank worksheets bound together—and then all kinds of wonderful pieces from your book, the Rose and the Butterfly story, the Snowflake story, et cetera. So it was beautifully done, and he actually helped me pull together explanations of things that I had developed over the years in the worksheet, I mean in the group process about the worksheet process and um wove that in there as well. So he has been a, a blessing to us and, and many in life. So sending him love and blessings is a joy.
0: Absolutely,
3: absolutely. I certainly join you in that and just holding him in that
4: that space of uh
3: support and caring and the presence of love. Dave, we're there with you.
4: The other comment or question I had was I, I I think it was Monday that you asked if I run the show, and I was running the show, and Michelle was there, and Julie Haverstick popped in. And then I think we were talking about it on Tuesday. Did I hear you say that you had asked her to call in on a more regular basis and contribute more with
3: the content or be a driving force yeah actually uh julie had suggested that she wanted to become more a part of the radio show so i suggested that she start doing that and uh she came back with the suggestion that she would call in on mondays and uh and have a little more input and uh that she felt like she wanted support in becoming more fluent and talking on the radio which i guess is a little bit of a jittery situation for her so So, yeah, that actually came from Julie wanting to be more a part of the uh, process. She's done so much work over the years that she makes some great contributions to people in their process.
4: Well, I just want to go on record as saying that I'm all in favor of that and would support that wholeheartedly. And it was wonderful having that extra support. Somebody called, it was actually Paul called in and had a question on the worksheet process, and Michelle said, Tim, we'd love to answer that for you. And I had to say, you know what? And so with Julie, because Julie's done a heck of a lot more worksheets than I have, and so I always enjoy her input, and she has a – I remember one time she called in and she talked about something, and I I won't get the words right, but she used some words about the reverence in the process or the blessing that is each worksheet process, and it just – it shifted things for me in the way I looked at it, and <clears throat> the way I began to talk about it in the in the group more. And so it's just uh, it's a blessing when we have input from different people and when they're willing to share it. And as I said to Paul the other day, as you've said to people over and over again, even the most basic question helps us learn and see it from a slightly different aspect and deepen our understanding of the work. So thank you for being here, Julie, and I look forward to having you on the show more often. That's my offering for today. Excuse me, I had just offered a a
3: yay and a me too, but my mute button was pushed.
4: Cool. Anything happening in practice that uh,
3: would be helpful to bring to awareness and seeing people dealing with...
4: uh, The thing I would bring out today is that three times this week I've been working with people who have children that are 8 to 12 years old who have been through some really disruptive, confusing, hurtful events in their lives and getting introduced to the tools with even just one parent who's willing to apply them him or herself and model them for the child is life-changing i had a session earlier today with a 12 year old and his mother and she'd only been in once before and he said something that prompted me to ask him have you seen a change in your mother since she was here the first time? And he said with a strong, affirmative answer, unequivocally, yes. And because she took simple tools and applied them in her life for a week and a half, he saw the change in her because she was willing to go home and talk about breathing, canceling the goal, and doing some tapping in front of the kid's. Who were laughing at her but then use it when she got triggered to upset he saw the change and as most of us know when we work with people my children are whatever however much they learn from me whether it's five units or 50 trillion units of information however much they learn from me eighty percent of it is going to come by watching me by doing what i do by watching how I treat other people, by watching how I treat them and or their other parent. Not by the lectures I give them, not by the punishments or consequences I line up for them, but by watching how I live my life. And the power of example when a parent is willing to take these tools and introduce them to their children and or use them in front of them is life-changing. And she saw the change in him in just the week and a half since she had been here first for her first session so that's my offering for this week or today is that please consider at every level using these tools in front of children and introducing these tools to children and i don't think they're ever too young well i'm in
3: a thousand percent agreement with that tim and i would I would add that not just in front of the children but the adults as well and and even in you know public commercial life you know i've I've shared this before, but um Sam Brotherton actually ended up getting a letter from the complaint manager at a Sears store in Springfield, Missouri, and how the way she handled a problem they had except it was actually a repeated problem, had changed his life. And basically what she did is she used the responsibility communication tool. Instead of going in and puking all over them, you know, the way most people with a complaint do, she responsibly communicated. And and this guy wrote to her. I mean, just totally voluntarily, you know, there was no interaction that indicated that was going to happen. But after they finally got her problem taken care of, this guy wrote and said, you changed my life. I mean, you know, how cool is that?
4: Well, for people like me, it doesn't get any cooler than that. I'm in full agreement on that one. Let's check with Jeannie and see if anything's happening in the chat room
3: or anybody's got a hand up in the phone queue. Nothing. Well, anything to share from Laws of Living, from the process that's happening here? I know you've been through it many times, sweetie, and last night you were sharing in the class how it was impacting you in a different way.
2: you got to mute Okay. Um, yeah, I, I shared last night that actually Laws of Living is one of my least favorite intensives that we do. Um I think a lot of it is because there is just such an intense amount of work involved in it. And it's different. It's it goes by the Socratic method of, of asking questions and answers and repeating and but anyway this year and I think it's because of the energy of this group here and that everybody is at such a high level that the discussions and everything have gone to such a deep uh, place that it's been more than just reading. And I think that's what's made a big difference. It's it's more process than it is um, just reading through the the chapters. And it's just uh, definitely taken it to a, diff- diff- a different level for me And so I've enjoyed it this time.
3: Definitely a sweet space, and I'm I'm personally, you know, even though I sourced a lot of this material, I've taught it for 35 years. It just it's opening a whole different space in my mind of comprehension, and one of the the big. Things that's really clicked for me. You know, you've heard me say before about Yeshua that he was a physicist, not a theologian, that he was a, a psychologist, that he was a physiologist, that he was a geneticist. And the essay today on perception brings in several facets of some of the latest research in neuropsychology. And then a piece added to it goes back to the neuropsychology of Yeshua where his whole conversation is about the power of your words and the impact that it has on perception and the, the whole creative process. So I, I'm reaching a whole new appreciation for the power of this neuropsychologist that lived 2,000 years ago. And, you know, so many people who dis and down what Yeshua taught as though they have a clue what he taught and the, the depth of comprehension you know we're reading some of them in the essay we're looking at some of the latest research in neuropsychology and you know, some of the stuff that's come down in the last 30 years or so that's really opening the world and you go back to his words it's all there and, and far beyond stuff that we haven't even started to comprehend yet it's just uh, it's just amazing when you get to that Aramaic and of course laws of living totally comes out of the Aramaic language so that's the focus of the process is piece by piece putting the foundations for how to literally live in relationship with the eternal forces of the universe rather than in relationship with the thoughts and hostilities and fears of the world. So it's been a pretty pretty sweet process. And we still have several days to go, so that's pretty neat too. So if anyone has a question or a thought for us, we're here to support you. Anything that isn't making sense about our conversation, anything you'd like to have make more sense, anything happening in your life where you're using the tools and finding a challenge or something that isn't understood. And If you haven't, by the way, gotten into the forgiveness processes yet, we invite you to go to www.whyagain.org. If you scroll down the page a little bit, in the middle of the page you'll see a... White and Red Bullseye. If you click on that, it will open a whole series of links. And those links will take you through how to do the forgiveness process in spades. I mean, it's just so, there's so much material there. There are at least 16 hours of radio shows where we've walked somebody through, either Dr. Tim or Ginny or myself have walked somebody through the forgiveness process. And so all kinds of custom understanding of how this Technology from the first century works, and and recognizing that it has been unseen on planet Earth in almost 2,000 years. So it's certainly a uh, a huge privilege to be able to be part of restoring this understanding and to even you know start to comprehend the understanding that was there. You know, once you uh, once you build the brain cells, and then you go back and you look at it and and what it really meant. It's just monumental and so if uh if you had been sitting in an audience maybe Tim and Jeannie and I were at your local library or your local university or your local church and had had this conversation and we completed a walked down off the stage I know that you'd come over to either myself or Tim or Jeannie and ask the question what's your question that's what we're here for. And, and you know, if your voice is a little shaky, that's okay. If you're nervous being on the radio, I know lots of people are. So what? We'll let you know, you do know, cancel need for your voice to be perfect. And uh, your question, even though it may seem like a uh, a simple question or a silly question, will have some people say, oh, "Well, you know, I'm just so new to it. I don't even know what to ask." Well, what is it you want to ask? Oftentimes, that question can be one of the the best gifts for even a seasoned old timer with the work to have that newbies question that that oftentimes puts in place a foundation piece that otherwise people have missed. And so that's what we're here to do with the show every day. And our call-in number if you're on one of those stations where we can't see you or you're in the chat room, and uh, you know if you're not a, a member of Blog Talk, you can't type in the chat room. It's a simple thing to join. And they will honor your email address and keep it secure. But if, you, uh, if you'd if you like to have a conversation with us, our call-in number is 646-200-4169. We would love to hear your sweet voice, and there'd be no waiting if you're in the phone queue. Now it's time to push the button. Anything happening in the chat room? Well, that's talk a little bit. The lesson we just did, lesson uh, one in laws of living is about stress management and recognizing that the way you manage your mind is important to how your life works. And the fact that, you know, stress is such a poorly understood subject in the culture that people actually, you know, think and talk like, well, if I could just get rid of all my stress... Did you know that if you got rid of all your stress, you would die? Because without stress, there's no life. Stress is your absolute best friend. It is not an enemy. It is unmanaged stress that is the enemy. But you need stress in order to live. There's actually a whole DVD, a two-hour workshop we do called Getting the Stress You Need. And when you recognize how stress is created when you look at people, we actually were just doing some processing with the gentleman in the Laws of Living class, and he was talking about being in overwhelm. And as we were processing that, he had the insight, of, oh, my God, that's my family motto. That's my family pattern is we just live in overwhelm. That's how I've been creating my life. It's like, okay, well, that will be a good habit to let go of. And basically, if you simply create stresses that, will serve the purpose of the day, then you'll be in good stead. If you create stresses for tomorrow, the next day, the next day, next month, next week, then you're going to be in trouble because you'll be overstressed. And it's interesting, again, let's go back to this, uh, this neuropsychologist, psychiatrist, geneticist, physiologist, physiologist, teacher of forgiveness extraordinaire and teacher of love just beyond comprehension. And he makes a statement that when you first look at it, unless you know the Aramaic of it, if you look at the Greek statement it's like this, this, what does this mean? So he says take not thought for tomorrow for sufficient for the day are the evils thereof. you look at that statement you go what do you mean sufficient for the day are the evil I don't need any evil in my life well the Greeks did not understand what he was talking about they had no brain cells for his conversation in this regard so they translate the word as evil but actually the word in
4: Aramaic uh,
3: is it, it is translated as evil but but if for instance If I had a, you know, here we are in Florida, there are grapefruit trees. If I walked up to a grapefruit tree and all the grapefruits on it were solid green, I would say those grapefruits are evil. Nothing to do with the Greek, um, you know, insanity of evil being some terrible, awful, evil thing that's out to get you. But the word properly translated in one context means unripened or incomplete. So Yeshua is saying, let go of any concept of tomorrow because every goal that you set will create a stress in your mind, and if you overload your mind with stress, you won't be able to function. So sufficient for the day are the evils thereof. In other words, you don't have goals set for tomorrow, the next day, or the next day. How do you create stress? You set a goal, you know. At your desk or wherever you are, and you know, if there's a pen in front of you on the desk, I'm going to invite you to set a goal in your mind to reach for the pen. And notice when you set that goal that you did a behavior your arm reached out to get the pen. That was a result of a stress set by the goal. So when Yeshua says, sufficient, you no, know, take no thought for tomorrow, he's saying, don't set goals for tomorrow because. Every goal you load in your mind create, uses a resource. This is the genius of the man uh, when you see in, in, in his original Aramaic context as opposed to you know, the Greek um, mufflings that pretend to be his words. So he's saying, only have goals for the next waking period and you'll keep your stress at manageable levels. So if sufficient for the day are the incomplete projects or goals thereof. And every time you set a goal, you create a stress. And the functioning purpose of your mind is to do a behavior to reduce the stress. So when you set the goal to reach for the pen, you reached out for the pen. Your mind caused your arm to reach out and pick up the pen. And the stress is gone, so you didn't do any more behavior. There you sit with a pen in your hand. All behavior is based in goals, All goals, when set in the mind, create stress. Now, if you've ever been to a goal management uh, workshop or a goal workshop, which I have done in the past, you know that you came away from that goal workshop and they told you to have your, you know, maybe your hourly goals, your daily goals, your weekly goals, your monthly goals, your six month goals, your one year goal, your five year goals, your 10 year goals, your 20 year goals, and your lifetime goals you walked out of there just overwhelmed with stress. And the biggest uh, challenge, the biggest complaint that doctors get from people coming into their offices, Doc, I'm too stressed. And they have no idea that all of that stress is self-created. You know, people who go to bed at night and they take with them a thousand goals, they wonder why their minds keep going and going and running and running and running and will never shut up. It takes them two hours to go to sleep because the mind's chitch chit, chit, Well, all the mind is doing is following its purpose. It's doing what it's been told to do. You set a goal. You said do this, and the mind says, okay, let me see how I can do it. Now, in the case of reaching for the pen, that's pretty easy. It's not a complex instruction. So set the goal, create the stress your arm reaches out, and you do a behavior. You pick up the pen. But when you take deeper issues and you create goals on top of goals on top of goals, when the mind runs, 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 it's simply because the mind is overwhelmed with stress and its functioning purpose is to reduce stress. So we're here to take that now. Uh, let me see somebody without the brain cells milk that idea out of take no thought for tomorrow for sufficient for the day are the evils thereof. <laughs> How do you get that? And, and, and there's another piece of the genius of Yeshua you know, two thousand years ago, he said you got to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. What does that mean? It means that you could look at that statement about goal setting and having no more goals than you can achieve today, and without the content in your mind already, without the brain cells, you would read that and you go, "What does it mean? Sufficient for the day are the evils thereof." That doesn't make any sense. I don't have any brain cells for that. So. 2,000 years ago, he says, in order to understand his work, you've got to have the eyes... Whatever that you're looking at won't make sense. Or if you have a different speaking from, then you'll take a totally different meaning from words than the words meant. If you have a filter of hostility or fear set in your mind, you'll take a totally different message away from someone speaking with each of those filters active because those filters determine to a great degree our perceptual output, the perceptual output of the mind. And, you know, it was understood in the ancient Aramaic that there were three filters that could be active in the mind. One was hostility, one was fear, and one was love. And each one, in turn, when active, produces a different perception about the same object of attention. So someone who's in hostility is going to look at a particular object of attention and they're going to say, that really irritates me. The person who looks at exactly the same object of attention with the fear filter set is going to say, that's really threatening to me. And the only thing that shifted was the filter that was active in the mind. So the filtering system of the mind, if one has no idea that that thing is even there or how to operate it, then they spend a lot of time in hostility or fear because the words of the culture to such a great degree are built in and based in hostility and fear. Yeshua talked about what the first law was. He used a word that represents a third possibility, a third filter in the mind, it was called Rachma. And it was a filter over intentions that was keyed to love. And when it was active, when Rachma was active, and he says this is the most important law, it isn't about loving your neighbor or loving yourself or loving the creator. It's about maintaining that filter, Rachma, active in your mind when you think of neighbor or creator, and then what that says in Aramaic is, and that's how you maintain self. So once you start comprehending those and have the, the eyes to see and the ears to hear? There's a whole different meaning. And the people that are sitting around saying this guy Yeshua didn't have a clue what he was talking about, don't have a clue what they're talking about because they don't have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. When you get into the deep psychology, neuropsychology, the deep understanding, there it's monumental again, beyond comprehension of of most of our so-called science today. They don't even have a clue of what this man understood or knew 2,000 years ago. And I certainly feel privileged the fact that uh, I've been able to have a relationship for the last 35, 38 years with the first century Aramaic words of Yeshua and worked toward comprehending them and how... They are turned into tools with which to manage your life. It's been a pretty uh, pretty intensive process, and what a gift. What a gift to have that opportunity. It's just monumental. And, of course, it's pretty monumental to be teaching this people here in Florida right now what those laws of living are about, and that that law hasn't got anything to do with the rule of a superior, you'll notice that the king wants you to believe that law is something he wrote. Well, there's been no king that's ever written a law. That's a fraud. That's a lie. We may have a particular dictator who takes over a culture and writes rules for people to follow. And one who would do that might tie into that hostility-based mind and work to bring it forward in the world. But those who understand the actual teachings will pass on that, excuse me, I think I'll stay with the presence of love. That's my birthright. I deserve to have a human life. And so I'm going to live my human life. I don't care what you do, King. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to preserve this awesome active presence of love that I am for my experiences. And Jeannie tells me that we've got a caller, so let's say hello to our caller, sweetie.
5: 616.
3: 616, you're on the air. Give us a name. Where are you calling from?
5: Yes, hi. It's Pat K. calling from Grand Rapids. Hi, guys. Hey nice there, young lady. Welcome.
3: You.
1: Hey,
5: nice I'm, on say day, hello. I'm on day 17 of uh, five worksheets a day for 66 days. Yeah, All so
3: right. Well, congratulations, I'm, Pat.
5: <laughs> I'm checking in, um, you know, holding myself accountable. Anyway, um but i'm caught, I'm kind of stuck on a worksheet, so I wanted to um get a little guidance on this one um
3: right how can we support you
5: hey, well you know it it's one of those things that feels really simple um and I'm thinking there's some a lot more at work here and i'm I'm not sure how to zero in on it and that is um something simple um that came across my um my um being uh, recently is um just getting really frustrated with my computer it's not it's not um responding when I click i mean i'm in in this one day when I was feeling really grumpy, it wasn't responding quick enough, I was ticked off, I was in a hurry, and it wasn't doing what I wanted to do and I really got angry and rageful like my dad used to and so my thinking is, of course, I did a worksheet on you know what the computer as the trigger, and I'm thinking, I think there's a lot going on besides the computer here, and I'm not quite sure how to zero in on um I'm feeling there's some some rage that's coming from somewhere else and um and I'm blaming you know the computer, <laughs> so I'm just wondering if you have some ideas for me
3: i do guidance. i do Absolutely. okay. Cool. Be delighted to support you. One of the first things that I would do if I were saying the words you were saying is I'd be listening to how I went into rage just like my power person did. Uh Like my dad when things weren't going well. So one Mm -hmm. of the first worksheets that I would do was I would I would have Pat in number one C as the office of attention and do a worksheet on how it felt for you to watch your dad in rage.
5: Oh, scary as hell!
3: And uh, scary as hell. There you go. So scary as hell. Yeah. And yeah. what would your what would the thought be? So so the feeling one B is scary, and then one yeah. D. What what uh, or pardon me? The feeling is scary. What's the thought behind scary? So you're sitting there, at whatever age you are five, six, seven, watching your dad in rage. What's yep. the thought that uh-huh. uh, that comes with that? Scary.
5: Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, I mean feeling like he could kill somebody. <clears throat> I mean, I, mm. I guess I never. He never laid a hand on me, so I never felt like he would kill me. But. Uh, you know, I was afraid, always afraid to go into um, his uh, within within the same room um, because so I got a I second just worksheet, didn't know. Yep.
3: If so you've got a second how, worksheet, I he... oh
5: yeah, I do.
3: Right. If you've got a second worksheet, I in number one C, I'd put dad. Okay. And yep. the thought in one D. I'm afraid he's going to kill me.
5: Oh, God, that sounds scary. It resonates, though. Wow. Okay.
3: Well, remember, (sighs) you know, and this is one of the focuses of laws of living, is how to pay attention to your speech and decode it. So notice that what you said was, I never had the thought that he would kill me which says that you had the thought, you know, that the brain cells that are firing under the surface and they're denied.
0: You right. thought
3: that at some stage you thought he might kill you. Wow.
5: Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Thank you. Um, so
3: that'd be a good starting I, point for that one. Yes.
5: <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling that might be my, one of my 70 times 77
3: um, things.
5: Um, I hear you. I have another. Yeah, I have another. Um, another uh, thought that I, um, I haven't formulated even to start a worksheet yet. But <clears throat> and this is that, um, and I talked about it when I was there at the intensive a little bit. But um, it was about getting attention from my dad, and I'm remembering that when I was quite small. I mean, I'm thinking four, maybe four or five years old. That. Um, he and I were were close. I mean, we would wrestle, and um, and and um, it would be a fun. You know, we would play. And I remember um, when he would take me um, into the water at, at when we'd go to the beach at Lake Michigan, and and I was too little to go in the deep water, and he would carry me, and it would just be me and him in the deep water, and just. Um, um, it was, and I felt really special, I, and I still remember feeling special. Um, then and then at some point, something happened, and I'm thinking I was only six or seven years old when I started looking for attention from boys, neighbor boys, um, anybody, boys at school, and there was a cutoff there. Somehow, I got cut off from him, and I don't. And my only hunch is that maybe he got so angry with me because I was so mean to my little sister, and uh, he withdrew from me because he couldn't handle the anger. I mean, he was always
1: very angry
5: at, with me, and it seemed like the the angrier he got, the more I rebelled, and the more he wanted me to apologize to her. I I wouldn't, or if I did, it wasn't sincere. And that's the only thing I can I can um, pinpoint. But um. And and maybe there's more, but do you have any ideas um for me on that one, Mike?
3: I do, yes, for sure.
5: Cool. <laughs> awesome. The first
3: one is the first one is to recognize that your father was never angry with you. Oh. Your father was just angry. <sighs> and his anger, like your anger, could fall on any object of attention. Notice, yeah. you can even hold the thought that the computer made you angry.
5: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no your
3: right. computer can't reach inside of you and go, let me shake some <laughs> anger out of her. <laughs> right. But right. if I'm attached to my goals being achieved, and what happened when I watched my power person having a goal frustrated was they went into rage, I absorbed all of that rage now when something frustrates one of my goals, I blame that for my rage.
0: Mm-hmm. Sounds like
3: Dad had lots of rage. And mm-hmm. you happen to be, and very unfairly, at the age of four or five, the object of that energy. And mm-hmm. one of the things we know from the Cody Penance work is that what the the average adult does is that they blame those who have less power than them for what they're feeling in the moment. Mm -hmm. And so the dad who has a lot of frustration in his life and a lot of rage turns toward the four-year-old who's mistreating her two-year-old sister and says, you make me so mad. And he uses you for a screen to project his rage onto.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah,
3: And you take on the belief that you actually were the cause of his rage. That's right. And you weren't. Mm-hmm. But as long as he used you to avoid feeling his rage directly, that is, he'd put his rage into his brain's image of you and use you as a screen to project it on, then one, he didn't have to own or face his rage directly, and two, he was not able to heal his rage because he actually thought it was about you, yes. as most people in the culture do. Whoever can resonate sure. someone's rage, people think their rage is about them. So yep. what tends to happen when our power person uses us for a screen upon which to put their rage, then we, as we grow up with that power person dynamic, when the stress is up and the chips are down... And notice your stress was up. You wanted it, you were in a hurry and you wanted this done yep. and that done. So you had a lot of goals, which means your stress was yep. elevated. Yep. And so now I replicate my power person's dynamic. I hated it when he did that to me. So now when the stress mm-hmm. is up and the chips are down, I do the, the same thing. I become the yep. user. In this case, the computer is the object of attention. Last yeah. week, it might have been your son or your daughter or your mother or your father or your spouse or your neighbor or your coworker, any object yep. of attention will do. But when we have a power person that uses us to avoid responsibility for what they're experiencing and feeling, then we tend to replicate that and we become the user.
5: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. that rings and true. So, you
3: know,
5: That's very helpful. Yeah.
3: So I would do some worksheets once again around Dad, and Mm -hmm. the goal would be for Dad to be responsible for his anger. Mm
5: -hmm.
3: And then I'd do Uh some worksheets around Pat, and the goal would be for Pat to be responsible for anger. Mm
5: -hmm.
3: Because you've probably, just let me take a really wild, (laughs) offhanded, kind of maybe silly guess. Yeah, You've probably had more objects of attention than just your computer that you blame for your anger, right? Oh,
5: sure. Oh, yeah. Drivers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure.
3: Drivers, spouses, coworkers, oh, lots of objects. Oh, yeah. Attention.
5: In many, many inanimate objects have gotten my wrath. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but, yes, you're right. And... The thing is, I and I, I, I don't lash out at people, but I hold it in, so it's still there. You know, I mean, I just don't allow myself to do that because it's unprofessional. But um, definitely, am feeling it, so it's definitely there.
3: Absolutely. So and, you do all the lashing at yourself.
5: Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and I'm thinking, you know, if a. If I am ticked off at a coworker, I uh, they probably know it. I'm not expressing it out loud, but somehow they're getting it. You know, maybe I don't talk to them for a day or two. You know, something like that. That uh, in the uh, way that I've dealt with that in the past. So <clears throat> it's definitely it's definitely um, a rage is there for sure. Yeah, because my so drink. Things? My pardon me.
3: So my offering at this moment would be to recognize that you've never been ticked off at a coworker.
5: Ah, uh, right.
3: But it's you've fair. had lots of co-workers that could bring up your ticked off part.
5: Yes, exactly. And when they do,
3: or the inanimate objects do bring it up, there's your opportunity yep. to forgive, to remove that ticked off part, to remove yep. that rage that you've replicated so faithfully from your power person. <laughs>
5: faithfully yes exactly just a blueprint exactly like it
3: mm-hmm. that's yes. what we
5: do yeah hey thank you so much michael um so happy with the uh, with the intensive and what i got out of it uh down there i hope you guys have a little bit wet, better weather in orlando than we did when the week i was there because it was chilly if you remember um We've got 10 inches of snow that we just got here in Michigan, so... Um, Ouch! <laughs> oh, we've beautiful? got awesome
3: weather. <laughs> oh, good. It's it's only good. about 60 degrees right now, but we've got awesome weather when I recognize yeah. you've got yeah. 10 inches of snow, yeah. you know? It's all relative. <laughs> it depends what your relatives are experiencing. <laughs> it is.
5: That's, yes, exactly. Well, um, if you would kindly um, say hello to Ari and Gail and Jeannie for me, and... Um, I think Gail's the only one that's there that was that was still there when I yes. was there when I was there. So if you would yes. kindly do that, um very people have become very close to my heart. So um cool. hoping to see awesome. you all again in the summer. Um I'm looking to uh do the laws of living that you're doing at Heartland in end of August, so I'm uh working on saving the money for that. So
3: Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we cool. appreciate you, and we hold the space for the next level of your work, and we'll look forward to seeing you face-to-face uh, next summer at Heartland.
5: Me, too. and uh, best of luck for the rest of your time in Orlando and your travels back home, and um, love to you guys, okay?
3: All right. Take Much care. appreciation. Okay. Blessings. Thanks. Alrighty. bye right. Bye-bye.
5: Bye-bye. By the
3: way, I would like to bring up, uh, if, if we could take a moment um, for the group and Dr. Tim, you talked about Dave, and uh, there's also a young lady who was actually planning to be here at uh, the Laws of Living Intensive. She's someone we've been acquainted with for three or four years now, and uh, she came to uh, some workshops we did here in Florida several years ago. And uh, she was actually planning to come to Laws of Living, but uh, as it turned out, she... uh, She ended up uh, with some pretty heavy duty um, symptoms happening. And she texted me this morning that she was on her way to the hospital for thyroid surgery. So if you just hold Tracy, just tap into Tracy's energy, and that her surgeon's hands and heart, his eye, his mind are totally focusing right there for her highest and best to to give her the absolute possible to help her to come through what's happening for her, and we' just hold the space for for Tracy and for her physician to really be able to be there for her so just take a minute and just if you'd join me in that thought, it'd be nice to have people from all over the globe just focusing on Tracy right now and Offering her support, and we'll bring Dave into that as well. And Jeannie tells me we've got a caller, sweetie.
5: Seven
3: six five. code seven six five. You're on the air. Is this Sunny by Chance?
5: This is Sunny by Chance.
3: Hey, young lady. Um, oh. how are you?
5: <laughs> um, loving
1: the intro and baseline of the show today. Um, and it's very conducive. Um, We're attempting to plan Markela's high school graduation at 16 years old, and then contemplating she'll be barely 17 and wanting to go to Pennsylvania, to FX Academy. And her dad doesn't like this, and so we've had a succession of events where that divides me as a parent into that whole realm of policing those situations, and personalities. And um, I've been called upon to backtrack for financial and tax purposes and so on The to 2011 and these memories of the illness and the recovery process and all of that has stirred up some stuff I'm not quite putting my finger on. And then accomplishing certain personal financial goals surrounding the extra needed for her graduation purposes. So um puts me kind of in, I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> I need to cancel some of these goals and I'm really not wrapping my mind around the process even listening to the show today. So um, I didn't know if maybe you could help me recenter or give me a key to just Like, stop the presses and let's start in the beginning.
3: (laughs) Well, the first piece of the puzzle would be to recall, remind yourself what denial is. And denial is the act of thinking or speaking as though something outside of me is the cause of what's happening inside of me. So when I say that, you know, whatever the turmoil is, is I'm going back to my taxes then, and this is happening and that's happening, I'm really in denial. And so what happens for those who are new to the show, I know you know this, but we'll we'll repeat it just so that anyone who's new to the show, when I enter into denial, when I enter into thinking as though something that's happening inside of me is caused by something happening outside of me, I inhibit my mind's ability to show me the cause of what's happening inside of me. And so that denial leads to me dissociating from that part of my mind that I caused this turmoil or upset with. So the first step is to start to move into responsibility communication. So to start to speak in terms of what's going on inside of me rather than all the external events. My offering would be, there's no no turmoil about the money around creating the the graduation. There's just turmoil inside of you. When you make it about the graduation, you dissociate from it. You have to hide what you need to heal. So when I can come out of denial, and I can say, hmm, there's a lot going on in my life, and what I'm feeling right now is a lot of turmoil inside of me i 've just given my mind to show me the directly the energies of turmoil in me rather than put that turmoil into my brain 's image of others and once I can see it directly, you know the simple piece of the puzzle is that when I recognize the goal that drives the whole process. I can collapse that process by canceling the goal. And I can bring the mind of love to me, to to that part of me that's creating that turmoil. So, for instance, it might look like rather than, well, now I have to fend all this off, I have to deal with, you know, his money things and blah, blah, blah. Is, I cancel my need to have enough money to pull off this graduation or send her to college. And as you do no, I mean, that, what happens is you start to collapse the projection that it's about money or college or even about her, and you get to drop down into, you get to drill down into the part of your mind that holds that quality of frustration. You know, I, I guarantee the quality of frustration that you're feeling, you felt before the conversation ever came up about her going to school or doing anything else. And so to drill down, you cancel the need, which sounds totally counterintuitive. But when I cancel the need to have enough money to pull off the graduation, then I at least get to clear my mind. I get to drop into the frustration and clean it out. Now I stand with a clearer mind. I still don't have the money, perhaps, but I stand with a clearer mind on how to create the resources that I need to take care of the graduation. I'll have a clearer mind. You know, my better off standing as a space of frustration, upset about graduation and money? Or am I better off standing as a space of love, thinking about how I'm going to handle the graduation? And unfortunately, we're down to the last few seconds, but we could continue this conversation tomorrow. If it's appropriate, I hope we've given you some clues. We hold the space. Everybody, create the best of yet of your eternal life. It's an
0: awesome gift to give the world. Bless you. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice and his wife Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. That's www.whagain.com y a g a i end dot com eleven continuous